welcome all you math-minded teachers to the Math-Minded Teachers Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Skierski from RethinkMathTeacher.com, a podcast, website, series of online courses, books, and a Facebook group dedicated to helping you reach all your students through quality instruction, differentiation, remediation, and effective classroom management. This is episode 16, The Worst Teaching Strategy. Okay, so the worst is probably a bit of hyperbole. I'm sure there's actually worse things that you could do in the classroom than the teaching strategy that we're going to be discussing. But this is a strategy I see a lot of teachers using often. I've probably done it myself, and you probably have too. And it's just not a valuable teaching strategy. It's really just a waste of time. And so I really would encourage you and everyone out there to not use this teaching strategy. So before I share what the teaching strategy is and why it's so detrimental to your instructional time, I want to share an illustration from when I was an athletic director at my school. We had just started a middle school flag football team, and the coach had volunteered to coach. Of course, it was a paid position, and he got all the students out there, and they were practicing and having a great time, I thought. And I went out to watch one of the practices, and I saw something that I just had to address. The coach had the whole line of students or the whole team of students in a line and one at a time they were running a deep route and he was throwing the ball to them. And that's what the practice was for about 15 or 20 minutes is just a line of the students and then one at a time they'd run long and he'd throw the football to them and they'd try and catch it. Now, why is this so bad? Well, first, what are the rest of the middle school students doing while the one student is running to catch the football? They're not doing anything productive. They're just talking to each other and goofing around. And second, why is he the one throwing the football? He's not going to be doing it in the game. Wouldn't it be more valuable for the student or the athlete who's actually going to be the quarterback to be throwing that? And why just one line so that only one student can run at a time? How about two lines or three or more than that. And then finally, not all the students on the team are going to play the wide receiver. A football team has lots of positions and there's just a few students who get to be the wide receiver. So why was he having everybody practice the same skill? Well, sadly, this is exactly what this strategy is that happens in the classroom that I think is not very effective at all. And the strategy is the whole group questioning that teachers often implement. And what it looks like is this. A teacher will, let's use a math class example, the teacher will put a math problem on the board and then they'll ask one of the students, what's the first step that I do? And that student usually doesn't know or they hem in the hall or maybe they even say the wrong thing. And so the teacher looks around the room and he says, okay, well, you student, student two, what's the first step? And the same thing happens. And it goes, okay, student three, help student two. And that student doesn't know, okay, guys, the first step is X, we do this. And then he says, okay, what's the next step? And someone says it and everybody laughs. And, you know, it, what ends up happening is it takes the class five or six minutes to get through this one problem. Now that's not a good use of time if the question doesn't need to take five or six minutes to solve. Furthermore, you're not actually showing the students how to do the problem correctly because you've shown them so many wrong answers. 
Everybody's volunteered things that don't work. A lot of the class has not answered the question at all, so the teacher's been jumping around from student to student. It's not linear. So to understand the correct process, you have to weed through all this bad information. What would be more valuable is if the teacher just showed them the correct steps or had them practice it, or even better yet, having the students try step one and then him show the correct step one and then have them practice step two. That way everybody's practicing and everybody's getting immediate feedback. Another reason this strategy is ineffective is that while the one student is being drilled by the teacher on what the next step is or what the answer to this step is, what are the other students doing? Usually they're not paying attention. And if they are, as I already mentioned, it's difficult because they're trying to weed through all the wrong answers and then remember the right answer. So this is not valuable instructional time. Most of the students are not actually participating in the lesson. Now, another thing that I want to remind you of is that often our students think they understand things better than they do. I mean, how often will you ask a student, do you understand this? And they say, yes. And they say, okay, we'll do this. And they can't. And that's just overconfidence. And that's why independent practice with feedback is important. The students need to practice the skill and then see whether or not they actually know it. The, the student might actually think they know how to do the skill. And if you're not giving them an opportunity to demonstrate that, they're going to continue to have this false confidence. So give them independent practice with immediate feedback so that they can see whether or not they actually know the skill. Okay, one more thing I want to say on this is that when you're asking a student what's the next step and they don't know and then you're giving them clues like it's not multiply, it's it's it starts with a D, rhymes with provide, that's not actually helping them. I mean, you are telling them the next step, but you've spent all this time on it. They didn't know it. They're not actually practicing it. You're feeding them answers. There's no rigor involved here. This is another reason why this is not a valuable use of the class time. In the six minutes it takes you to get through that one question, or maybe six minutes is too long, maybe it's three minutes, but how many questions could the students have practiced independently and then you solved on the board? It would be much more efficient to do something that's a better use of time where the students are getting that practice and then that immediate feedback. Okay, the last thing I'm going to say on this skill, which I like to circle back to, is that when you're doing this, it's again, it's whole group instruction. It's the factory line. It's putting every student on the same problem. And sometimes that's fine and that has to be done. But remember that not all your students are in the same place mathematically, especially in the higher grades. The higher the grade, the further the spread is of students on what their skill levels are. So if you're having all the students practice the one skill, not everybody's benefiting from it because some of the students aren't there. They're not ready to work on that skill. So that's why I teach differentiation based on skills targeting, targeting the skills that the students need remediation on. So instead of having everybody practice adding and subtracting mixed numbers, when some of your students still don't know how to convert fractions or how to add fractions, you can differentiate by using those skills-based learning stations that we talk about often in this podcast, and it's available on the website, rethinkmathteacher.com. Just click on the learning stations tab. 
So what would be a better teaching strategy? Well, again, students learn through quality instruction, through independent practice, and through immediate feedback. So you want to provide that in some form. Now, if you're trying to get everyone to work on one skill, you're doing some type of whole group instruction, then give every student the opportunity to practice it independently and then give them immediate feedback. That can be something as simple as just putting a practice problem on the board or on, on the worksheet and saying, okay, everybody do this problem and then stop and then we'll go over it. It could be something more elaborate like task cards or stations where students work around the room and they work with a friend or you provide ways for them to find the answers. But again, you want every student practicing the problem so that they have the opportunity to recognize whether or not they truly understand how to do the work. And you have to give them that immediate feedback for them to be able to do that. Now, I'll say it again. I don't do a lot of whole group instruction when I teach my classes. There is some of it that I do utilize, but for the most part, I like to remediate my students based on the skill that they need to develop so that they can do the grade level work. So for example, if we're doing long division in class and I've got students who still can't subtract double digit uh, numbers, then they're going to be remediated on that because until they can do that subtraction problem, they can't do the long division. And the same is true if I got students who can't do their times tables. We're going to work on that with those students until they master that and then we'll progress them to the next skill. But again, for them to master whatever skill I'm working on, whether it's whole group or independent remediation or acceleration, they have to get quality instruction they have to have lots of practice, and they have to have immediate feedback. One last thing while we're talking about practice, remember that not all your students are the same. Not every student is going to benefit equally from a certain amount of practice problems. So what I like to say is we're all naturals at some things. We learn things faster than others. And so some of your students are going to learn the math skill very quickly. And some of us are not naturals at things. And I've shared on this podcast that, you know, it took me a long time to learn how to snowboard and to surf. I'm just not natural at it. And you probably have some skills that you're not natural at either. And a lot of your students are probably not natural at math, natural learners at math. So it takes them longer to learn it. That doesn't mean they can't learn it. They just need more time and more practice. So you have to provide them opportunities to have enough practice with immediate feedback for them to master the skill. Okay, I do want to remind you that I do have a free course at the website rethinkmathteacher.com. It's on a banner at the top of the homepage called Five Strategies to Help Your Students Get It. And in this podcast, I've kind of shared with you three of those strategies, but we go a little bit deeper into them in this course. And of course, there's to others. So just visit the website, rethinkmathteacher.com. Okay, that's going to do it for episode 16 of the podcast, The Worst Teaching Strategy. Thank you guys for tuning in. I hope to see you in the next episode. Please come visit the website, rethinkmathteacher.com, and take that free class I talked about, Five Strategies to Help Your Students Get It.